have I been saying his name wrong the whole time? It's Connaughton, not Connaughton. Yeah, it's Connaughton. Okay, so I I am I am officially the one that all of you listening to this podcast are just saying you're an idiot every single time I've said his name. Let's go. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Holy Backboard Podcast. It's great to have you all with us. Our first order of business, is, on a somber note, just to send out our thoughts and prayers to everyone that was affected by the shooting at Umpqua Community College. I think uh, it's really hard to think about sports when stuff like that happens. And sometimes sports are a way to kind of escape some of that stuff. I have a lot of friends that were affected by Hurricane Katrina in 2005, and the Saints' success in 2006 gave them two hours or three hours where they could forget about their problems and just watch a team play. So hopefully the Blazers season this year will help some of the people. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. We're talking about the Blazers. We're talking about the 16 players that are going to be fighting for the 15 roster spots. Who's the odd man out? Kind of do a position breakdown, who we have at each position, who we think is going to be starting. Talk about the over-under. Vegas has our win total at 26.5. We think that's high, low. ESPN power rankings. Portland is almost at the bottom. And Sage is going to bring us the NBA 2K Sim report about the 2015-16 season. Running as the Trailblazers. Discuss the results. What do we have coming up with the Blazers, Dustin? I mean, I can't believe it, but the season's right around the corner. Fan Fest starts Sunday. Tickets are free. You know, I'll be there. And then Monday, preseason starts. We've got the Kings at the Rose Garden, Thursday, Warriors at the Rose Garden, and then Saturday, we're at Sacramento, so full week of basketball up ahead, and, you know, personally, for me, preseason is almost as important as the regular season, especially when you have such a young team like the Trailblazers do. It's going to be really interesting to see who gets the minutes, who shines, and who falls short of expectations. It's hard to believe that the season's starting already. It always sneaks up on me, the NBA, because you wait so long. I'm not a huge baseball fan, so I don't really follow it that closely. So you got college football. You know, you're waiting for college football and the NFL to start, and it starts, and then the NBA is like a couple weeks later, and sometimes it just it really sneaks up on me. So preseason games next week. It's going to be a fun week to get back into the swing of basketball. And those three games that you mentioned were televised, correct? I believe only the home games are televised, so Monday and Thursday should be on Comcast Sportsnet. And, you know, speaking of college football, it's fantastic. It's one of my favorite sports, but it's only one day a week. So there's six other days where your mind is thinking of other things, and my mind goes to Portland Trailblazers basketball. And I love seeing games, uh, multiple games each week. I really can't wait to get this season started. And let's jump right into it, break down some of the positions. You know, training camp just started. This past Monday, Damian Lillard is the cornerstone of this franchise. He is the Portland Trailblazers right now. But besides him at that point guard spot, who else do the Trailblazers have? Whenever the Blazers have had a successful season, they have had a great backup point guard, whether it's Danny Young or Danny Ainge for the early 90s Trailblazers, or it was Greg Anthony for that loaded 99-2000 Rip City squad. But now it's possibly C.J. McCollum getting his first taste of action as a, as a point guard. And then you have two unproven young players in Tim Frazier and Phil Pressey. I really don't want Dame to have to play 40-plus minutes a night again and get worn out. We really need to find somebody to help shoulder the load for him him so he can play a little bit off the ball 
and not have to feel like he has to carry the team on his back the entire game. Yeah, I think McCollum, I'm hoping he can't improve his ball handling skills because uh, as much as his offensive game progressed last year, it was amazing to see. I love CJ McCollum. I think he's going to be a great player. It just seemed like when he was trying to be the point guard, uh, it was too easy for the opposing point guards if they had a good defensive point guard to pressure him. Uh, he wasn't good under pressure. He doesn't really. He didn't really seem to have the ball handling skills to be the full time backup. But that said, he's young. He can work on it. He's got kind of that big, long, lanky body that I think. I think he could be able to be kind of like. Kind of like uh, uh, Sean Livingston in that he can kind of use his length to keep the ball away. But I really hope he works on his ball handling, his passing. And I think he will. I think he could be a backup point guard. Uh, Tim Frazier is kind of one of those guys. He's intriguing, but uh, he's been intriguing for the last couple of years. I haven't seen a whole lot out of him. I think Willard's going to end up playing a lot of minutes this year, which is kind of unfortunate. Do we need the third string point guard to play a lot? We he just don't. Needs to not mess up, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think really it's the question of who's going to be that backup. Does McCollum have have the the ball handling skills? Of course, uh, he did work with Nash this August in the off season, and when you work with a veteran, some of those veterans just you can see guys that progress throughout their careers and get better and better at ball handling and and finding the guy, you know, being a, a really good point guard. And so uh, hopefully McCollum can learn a few things. And this is the year for him to do it, too. I mean, it's a development year for everyone, and you kind of have to get your feet wet at some point. So this is the perfect time for CJ to see whether he is a point guard or if he's strictly a two-guard. The interesting part about this is I don't think Portland is going to carry four point guards into the season. So it really comes down. A lot of people are suggesting that it's going to come down to Tim Frazier or Phil Pressey for that last roster spot. I think Pressey might have the upper hand because... If management had seen enough of Tim Frazier in Summer League, why would they feel the need to bring in another point guard to challenge him? That's true. Very similar. What do you think about Connaughton at point guard? Does he have any skills uh, to play the point guard position? No, I think uh, Pat is a strict 3 and D player. He's going to spot up, shoot the three. He's going to give it his all on defense. I remember the game against Kentucky when he was with Notre Dame in the tournament and he out-rebounded guys like Carl Anthony Towns, who went number one in the draft. He's kind of, he's got the West mentality where it's just, you know, all grit, all guts, leave it on the floor, but he definitely does not have the handle to play point guard. And that's kind of a, a dying breed and a lost art in today's NBA is being able to handle the basketball. But as long as Lillard doesn't play a ton of minutes, and by a ton of minutes, I mean like 38 plus, the goal should not be to make the playoffs. I know everyone's saying the goal is to make the playoffs. The goal is to build for the future, but we don't want to wear down Lillard in a season like this. So Damian needs to have a minutes restriction, play in that, but we also need to see what we got from these other players. Otherwise, we never will know. What do you think the minute restriction will be? 36? I hope it's around 36. I don't want to see him leading the league in minutes like he has in the past. Uh, we saw Tom Thibodeau do that consistently with the Bulls playing Lou Aldang and Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose and Noah and all of those guys so many minutes that it's it's just ridiculous. And honestly, it's a little reckless if you ask me. And I think in this season where we do have a very inexperienced roster, it's always, you know, honestly, it's fun for the fans as much as losing sucks. But if you're going to lose, you might as well see some of the young guys. And I think that young guys, when they get that experience, that's, you know, this is the time that you're right. This is the year to give young guys experience Get this team built up for the future. Get those, you know, have CJ play some point guard, even if he struggles at it early. Um, I've seen Terry Stotts. He doesn't seem to be, he tinkers with lineups, but he doesn't seem to take too kindly to people making mistakes. I, I, will, I will say it's not as bad as the Nate McMillan era, but um, 
it just seemed like CJ went in there at point guard a couple times, and then you know a couple mistakes later, and boom, it was Steve Blake off the, the bench immediately to to take over point guard duties and everything. Uh, this team's gonna have to it's gonna have to go through some growing pains and everything. I think we all realize that. I do think that you know it'll be a good time to see all these young guys develop their skills and and hopefully get better. And one of these guys will probably surprise us this year. But let's take a look at the shooting guard position. Uh, do you think McCollum is the starter? No. He's got to be the starter right now just because Henderson's not practicing with the team. He's still rehabbing from his left hip uh, debridement. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but it's a left hip injury, and it's not said to be serious. He should be ready for the first week or two of the season. So with CJ getting all of these reps, you would have to assume that he's going to be the starter. Factor in how well he played over the last three games of that Memphis series. I read that he averaged a ridiculous 25.7 points watching those games live. I realized he was getting buckets, but 25.7 points is nothing to... That's, that's star territory if you do that consistently. Especially against Memphis. They put Tony Allen on him. The coach called out his team, basically said, we have a CJ McCollum problem. Goes to the grindhouse for Game 5. Yes, we lose the game. We all know that. But McCollum was getting buckets in one of the toughest arenas in the NBA where they thrive on defense. That fan base gets excited about defense like none other. They put one of the they put the first team all-defense, Tony Allen, on him, and he was still scoring in a plethora of ways. So that only has to give Trailblazer fans hope and optimism for the future because this guy has no fear and he can score with the best of them. And he did. He finally showed that and put it together. I mean, he, over last season, I thought he did very well. I was, I think he progressed a lot. I think it was his, his second full season. And so this was kind of like his sophomore year. I definitely saw improvement. But yeah, in the playoffs, we saw a flash of, I won't say a great player quite yet, but we saw a flash of a very, very good player that, if consistently done, would be a great player. If he progresses and is able to do that on a consistent basis, he could be the the Robin to Damien's Batman. When I completely agree. And if we're looking back two, three years from now, and C.J. McCollum is an all-star or a six-man of the year, we might look back at that game in Dallas when Wesley went down and kind of envision that as a blessing in disguise, not to take anything from, from Wesley or we never want to wish you know that he was injured, but you always want to make the best out of a bad situation. And when Portland made the deal at the deadline to get Aaron Aflalo, that really cut into McCollum's playing time. I believe he only played one time over the course of that five games when we had Aflalo and Matthews healthy. Portland does now have a possible budding star. And so do you think you think if Henderson was healthy that he'd be the starter? I think so. I think he would be too, just because CJ looks like he thrives off the bench. I think CJ would end the game, but he just kind of one of those instant offense, instant energy guys off the bench that you know you can count on for 15 points a night off the bench, and that's key, especially for a young team who's going to be fighting for every win that they get. And 15 smart buckets. It's not jacking it up like Pargo or Jamal Crawford. It's smart yeah. basketball. So, Dustin, what you're saying is that C.J. McCollum is guaranteed to be the next James Harden. Oh, yes. Hands down. <laughs> Put that- except for except for better defense, which McCollum's defense isn't He's great. He's pretty but- much the creative player in 2K16 where you put all your sliders up to 99. <laughs> all right. Do we want to talk about Connaughton again for at shooting guard? I'll, I'll talk about him real quick. So, C.J., Another thing to watch during preseason is Pat Connaughton. As we mentioned, Henderson is going to be sidelined probably for all of preseason. So this is the time for the rookie to really shine and show what he has to do. He showed a knack for hitting the three in college, and he even shot a respectable 30 to 40% in summer league. So he has the range. 
Will he take advantage of the opportunity? There are a lot of young players on this roster, so when you get a chance to play and to shine, you really have to take advantage of it, or there's another guy two seats behind you who's who's ready to come in when the coach calls him. Have I been saying his name wrong the whole time? It's Connaughton, not Connaughton? Yeah, it's Connaughton. Okay, so I, I, am, I am officially the one that all of you listening to this podcast are just saying you're an idiot every single time I've said his name. So, <laughs> Connaughton, gotcha. Okay, well, I haven't seen that much of... of can't, I can't not say Connaughton. Connaughton. I haven't seen that much of Connaughton. Connaughton. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that much of... You're sounding like my grandparents, Matt. <laughs> Where, where's that Lilliard guy? Um, oh man, but... Connaughton. 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 Okay, anyway. Connaughton. I haven't seen that much on him. I saw him a little bit in Summer League. Uh, He's a project. I don't know if he's going to get significant playing time this year. But with Henderson out, uh, he might get a chance. And especially as we were talking about, this is a developing team. Might as well throw him out there. Let's see what we got. All right, Sage, your favorite Trailblazer, Al Farouk Aminu, according to Casey Holdall of the Trailblazers, put out an article on September 24th in which Terry Stotts was was quoted as saying, you know, Al Farouk is going to start. Not a huge surprise, but I know you're not the highest on Aminu as, as some other people, but I really think he's going to be able to bring some much-needed defense to this team. I'm trying to not have a biased view on the Portland Trailblazers this year. When scouting for basketball, you got to not have a biased opinion on these players. So, Al Farouk, those three years I watched you play, gone. I don't remember them. So, this is a new relationship between me and Al Farouk Aminu. You know, it's a new relationship with you and Al Farouk. It's a new relationship with the Trailblazers and their fans. It's a basically a whole new team, so I love the philosophy. Coach Stotts actually said that he doesn't expect the three-point shooting to drop off in terms of number of attempts, which kind of scares me, just because I love I loved watching the Blazers of old just slash to the basket, not rely on the three. But if they are going to keep shooting threes, if Farouk can hit the corner three or just at least present himself as a threat to make an open three, that will open up the court immensely for the rest of the Trailblazers. But if the defense knows he's not going to hit that three, they're just going to sag off him and essentially play four on five. So that's going to be key for me watching both the Fan Fest and these first few preseason games. Can he keep that hot stroke from three that he had in the first round against the Houston Rockets when he was a member of the Mavericks? Is that what you're going to be watching most in those few games? With such a new team... So many new parts. It's hard to, you know, peg what exactly to watch for. I'll probably just watch with open eyes, and I'm sure a few players are going to stand out. Speaking of standing out, everybody reporting at training camp has said Mo Harkless. He's looking great early on. He's surprising people. He's looking like the person who was chosen 15th overall in the 2012 draft. He is the type of player who you buy low on, and he really wanted out of Orlando with the quickness. He wasn't getting any playing time. Couldn't understand why. I mean, they were one of the worst teams in the NBA. Well, and he Tobias Harris. Even then, he was still getting great minutes as a rookie. Even as a mm. second-year player, he was showing good good numbers and progression. And all of a sudden, his minutes got cut. He's been stated as saying multiple times that he, he went to the coach, wouldn't tell him why. So just it happens sometimes like that. You don't get into a good situation. He seemed very, very excited to make the move over to the Northwest. And I believe Neil Olshay said he's probably the best athlete he's had since he's moved to Portland. And I'm just really looking forward to seeing what he can do. I know the Blazers really liked him coming out of the draft. They eventually took Myers with that second lottery pick. I would take this information with with a grain of salt because as Portland fans, we've heard over the years, oh, Sean Kemp, best shape I've ever seen him. He's lost so much weight. We've heard those reports over. They have no incentive to tell the truth. 
Exactly. It's just like I remember Virginia Tech football. They would always say, oh, our guy ran a 4-2-40. And then they go to the combine, it's 4-4. So obviously things are only good, like you said, only good things are going to be said right now this time of year. I am hopeful he is going to be a surprise. But again, hear these stories, take them with a little bit of grain of salt, because everything is getting sugar-coated this time of year. Yeah, but Damian Lillard was quoted as saying, I don't think any of us have ever played with an athlete like him. And that's high praise. You said only good things are going to come out. Obviously, he's got athletics, so we've seen that. And yeah, hopefully he puts it to good use for us this year. That's true. And Lillard is definitely a straight shooter. Not one to BS or sugarcoat many things. But moving on from, from Harkless, is this kind of the, the break make-or-break year for Alan Crabb? He can play the two or the three. He started when Batum went down last year. I think he really needs to have a big year because, you know, third year in the league, you kind of need to show what you're worth when you're with the same team for three years. This is contract year for him. Is he going to take the next step? Yeah, fortunately for him, he is very versatile. Uh, he can definitely play shooting guard. He can play small forward. So hopefully we'll get to see a lot of Alan Crabb. And I'm hoping he takes the next step. And we've got a lot of guys vying for a lot of playing time, but I hope he gets his shot. And he will. He will get his shot to, uh, to go in there. He'll get playing time. And I hope he produces because I really like him. You know, Alan, Alan's a great guy, but the, the position I am most excited about is power forward. Portland has a plethora of young bigs. I'm predicting that Myers Leonard is going to get the start. I think he did too much in the Memphis series. To... You think that you think that Myers is going to start at power forward? Yeah, he's got to start at power forward because you've got Kamen, Mason Plumley, Ed Davis at center. So I think it only makes sense. He also can spread the floor, which is important, especially when you have a guy like Aminu who's not known for shooting and then you're big. Those three centers I just mentioned, they're going to stay in the paint. You need another player outside of the guards who's going to spread the floor. And as we're seeing in today's NBA, the stretch four is becoming the normal. That's that's the standard. I envision us using Myers a lot like the great Suns teams used Channing Frye. He does have a slower release. I would like to see Myers get that release a little bit quicker. Once the scouting reports get out there, they might get on him a little bit more. And like most bigs, he's not known for putting the ball on the ground. So he's going to have to, in catch-and-shoot situations, kind of get that that release off quicker. But as we mentioned before in this podcast, he was a 50-40-90 guy, albeit in, in limited sample size. But the talent is just there. Portland's payoff is finally there for us after waiting three years drafting this kid in the lottery. He looks to me like he's the real deal. I, I think Myers is going to have the biggest breakout year of any trailblazer. I think it's it's weird looking at a seven footer at power forward when so many teams in this league don't probably don't even have one seven footer anymore. It's kind of a dying breed, but uh, he is a very he's a very interesting specimen in that he when he plays he doesn't look seven foot. He plays he looks like a, a small forward, not in the same way that like uh, Kevin Durant. You know he's long and gangly, but has very good control over his body. Myers Leonard is just he's built very solidly and I can see him playing power forward I hadn't really thought of him there but definitely see it I think that he showed a lot last year I mean his three-point shooting came out of nowhere last year to be as consistent as he was you know I saw him make a high percentage early in the season and I said you know there's no way this continues you know his release looks a little funky it's not a traditional looking jump shot I just said there's no way that this continues and I was completely proven wrong because he shot Great throughout the entire season in the playoffs last year. But I, yeah, I'd love to see more of Myers. Uh, what about Vonley? What do you guys think about him so far? He really looked pretty good in, in summer league. In his limited sample size last year, you know, I've said I was pretty down just looking at the highlights of him last year. But he's come on. He's having a good training camp. What do you guys think of Vonley? Definitely having a great training camp. Uh, he's even impressed the trailblazer you want to impress the most in Damian Lillard. Lillard has, has been quoted as saying that he hasn't came out trying to prove himself 
that he can do everything that warrant his lottery selection a couple years ago. He's really let the game come to him and just come to training camp with a purpose. And he's not making many mistakes, which is very key for a player who is he's just, what, 19, 20 years old. So that's great to hear, especially because Von Ley, in terms of all of the young players, he's the one with the most promise because he came to us as the ninth overall pick in the 2014 draft. So he has that stature that comes along with a lottery selection. And eventually he's going to be the the future to replace LaMarcus, whether it's alongside Myers or Plumlee. He just has that talent. I want to see how his three-point game progresses in the regular season. I think it caught a lot of people off guard in summer league. Scouting reports catch up to players quickly. You can have a couple good games, and then by the fourth game, everyone knows what you're going to do. So it's like chess. You need to make another move. Keep the defense thinking. We don't know how he passes. Can he pass the ball? There's a lot of questions about this team, but that's what makes it so exciting. But the biggest question or the biggest surprise is Cliff Alexander. He was one of the top three high school recruits, eventually went to Kansas. His season got cut short, went undrafted, didn't make the Brooklyn Nets uh, roster after playing for them in summer league. And then he, he found himself in Portland. A Neil Olshay special, as I like to call it. He just finds those guys that have a lot of talent, but you can get them on the cheap. According to players and people behind the scenes at the Blazers, you know the two players who are opening the eyes with their play are Harkless, which we talked about, and Cliff Alexander. And the thing I love most about Alexander is he is embracing that garbage man role, something that I don't think Thomas Robinson did at all times, despite the fact that that's what he excelled at. Alexander's been said to being just like a monster around the rim. And to me, I am stoked to watch him play. I loved watching guys like Buck Williams and Brian Grant just get down and dirty, boxing out people, grabbing those boards, starting the break, just not afraid to mix it up. I want a guy in there who is just going to give it his all inside. I think the Blazer fans embrace that maybe more than any other fan base. And maybe I'm biased. I am biased. No, you're but- definitely not biased because look at the guy like Joel Prisbilla. He is a cult icon in Portland now, and that's all he did was the dirty work, but he's still one of the most beloved trailblazers of all time. That's true. So if, if he comes in and he gives it his all, I think a guy like Cliff Alexander could be a perfect guy to come in, give you, you know, 15 minutes in a game and play tough defense, play tough around the rim, grab those rebounds, clean up the offensive glass. He has a real shot. All the other players seem to like him. What do you guys think about the center position, pairing that up with power forwards. Obviously, I think Mason Plumley is going to start. We brought him in and, and got him over here from the Nets. And I think it brings a pretty good inside-outside balance with either Myers Leonard or Noah Vonley. Either of them playing four, the four would be, I think, a really good compliment to Mason Plumley's game. What do you guys think about Mason Plumley? Oh, I think Mason Plumley's the, the stretch five. I mean, we all see his reverse three-point off the glass, you know, to win the training camp scrimmage today, right? You know, he's the new stretch five. I think that's that shot is one that the defenses just won't see coming. You, there's no scouting for skill like that. So I think Blazers are down three. You don't go to Lillard. You don't go to McCollum or Leonard. You run a pick and roll. You get Mason Plumlee with his back towards the basket, and you just say, just let it fly, son. Sage, what do you think we learned from, from watching that play? Alan Krabs and that run pick and roll. <laughs> well, there's a reason Alan Crabb is, is a catch-and-shoot shooter. So yeah, exactly. I, I agree So don't put him in a situation that he won't. Excel at this season. A lot of players are going to be put in situations where they may or may not excel at. So we just got to embrace it. We got to enjoy it. That's what you have to do with this season. Just expectations are just have fun. Yeah. Between between Mason Plumley shooting threes backwards and Myers Leonard facing forward, I think we're going to be unstoppable. You know, there's just no defense for an offense like that. It's the kind of a first. Trailblazers. The name alone is innovation exemplified. I think we line all five guys up around the three-point line and just huck it. That's probably our 
our best offense. All right, what do you guys think about Ed Davis coming in, backing up? Been around the league for several years and been solid. What do you guys think of him? You know, people have continued to bring up Tristan Thompson and the fact that he hasn't signed with the Cavaliers. He's officially now a holdout. People know that we have money. I think they're a little bit enamored with how he played in the finals. But if you look at his numbers compared to Ed Davis, Ed Davis's PER rating is 20 from last year. Tristan Thompson's was 15.6. Everyone talks about how Thompson just dominated the glass against the Warriors, but actually Ed Davis had a higher true rebounding percentage than Tristan Thompson. He had 18% compared to 17.2%. He even blocked 4% more than Thompson. So first of all, I want to say shout out to Rip City 2 for putting together those numbers. I use you guys as a resource all the time. Read your board religiously. But that just kind of takes the argument away for signing Thompson. We got Ed Davis for the cheap. Thompson's looking for the max. I think whoever gives it the max is going to regret it. I think Rip City is going to love Ed Davis. He's another player like Cliff Alexander who's just going to rebound, block shots, and do his job. I think people are prisoners of the moment when it comes to Tristan Thompson. Yeah, he had a fantastic playoffs, like you said, with those stats. And completely in agreement with you, Sage. And especially when you look at the Cavaliers, they were without Irving and they were without Love and Verjao. So who was their number two option? It was Thompson. He's not going to get that type of minutes or touches with another team. So I think that really was his his shining moment to get that max contract. For his sake, I hope he gets it. I just hope it's not the Trailblazers who who offers it up to him. So then we have, of course, the venerable veteran Chris Kamen. Do you guys think he's going to play some minutes this year? Is he going to, you know, does he have a shot to start? Or do you think he is just going to be kind of in a coaching role almost for this team? You know, I looked to Sage for this because I read an article, again, written by Casey Holdall, and Chris Kamen was quoted as saying he didn't really present himself the way he should have when he got traded in that Chris Paul deal from the Clippers to the Hornets. He kind of soured on himself. He ruined relationships with Coach Monty Williams, and I know Sage told me when we first caught him, you know, watch out for this guy. He's kind of a, a bad attitude. Yeah. But you would agree, you would agree with agree. Chris Kamen's assessment of himself. He didn't take the right attitude into a new situation. Oh, without a doubt. But I think he grew up in Dallas. He said he you know, kept his mouth shut. He had a couple run-ins with, with Coach Carlisle, but he had a great time in, in Los Angeles and now in Portland. And he said, quote, I still feel like I have a lot that I can bring to a team and organization in many aspects, one being my play, and the other one helping young guys develop their game anywhere I can. And I think that's why Chris Kamen is still on the roster. That's why the Trailblazers picked up his option and his guaranteed contract to serve as a mentor for all of the young bigs. Whether you like Chris Kamen's game or not, he is fabulous offensive center in his prime. He probably still does have something to give for a contending team, but I think Trailblazer fans should be very thankful that he's willing to take this role because not many veterans would relish the opportunity to to teach instead of play. All right, so point guard, obviously. Lillard starting. Shooting guard, you think probably McCollum will be starting on opening day. Small forward, uh, Alfred Camino. Power forward, I kind of still think that Bonley might get the start or Ed Davis, but Dustin thinks Myers, so we'll go with Myers. And at center, Mason Plumley. How many games do you guys think that we are going to win this year? Vegas has us at 26.5. Honestly, you read through that lineup, and the whole point is that that does not sound like a particularly formidable lineup. But we've always talked about a lot of the X factors, a lot of these guys that are uh, trying to prove something. They're young. They don't know any better. What do you guys think? Is 26.5 high, low, or spot on? To me, 26.5 is a slap in the face. That is ridiculously low. That is ridiculously low, Rip City. Do not take – Vegas doesn't know what's going on here. 
They don't know the home court advantage that we have. That That's a slap in the face to me as a fan. I would be extremely surprised if we were anywhere in the 20. A 35-plus is what I think. Dustin is all in on the over. I, I think it's the over as well. I think we're at least a 30-win team. Uh, I think Damian Lillard is such an amazing talent, and I think that he has the attitude to lead this team. Are we going to make the playoffs? No. I think that there is almost no shot in, the, in this stack of a Western Conference. You know, are we going to win even half our games? No, I don't think so. 35, I'd say, even might be a little bit high. If I had to say put my over-under, it'd be around 32, 30 to 32. But I think that 26 and a half is definitely lowballing us by a few. What do you think, Sage? I completely agree with Matt. But I also want to add that... As I've mentioned before on this podcast, this doesn't feel like a team that that knows they're supposed to be bad. Lillard got everyone together in August for a training camp session in San Diego. They're already building chemistry. A lot of teams are going to come in here thinking that they got an easy win on the schedule. And I'm telling you guys, it's it's not going to be that way. I think they're going to give everybody a fight. They might not have the talent to get all of those wins, but I think they're going to fight tooth and nail for every game this season. And as a fan, that's really all you can ask for. And I do think that early on in the season, we're going to surprise some people. I think that we could even, you know, hover around 500 for, you know, probably a little bit below 500 for the first part of the season. I think as the season drags on, teams teams start playing harder as the season goes on, especially as you start working your way towards uh, the playoffs and positioning actually starts meaning something. But I think early on, I think we're going to surprise some people. I think we could hover around 500 early in the season for, you know, I'm predicting that we drop off at some point. Yeah, I think we're going to surprise some people. So ESPN says we're the second worst team in the league, the 29th best team in the league. Either way you spin it, Matt, it doesn't sound good. I love being the underdog. I love these type of seasons. And one other thing to remember, for those fans fans who want Ben Simmons, is you don't don't always have to have have the worst record. record. When Portland won the lottery... They, had, they were tied for the sixth or seventh best chances to, to win the lottery. So give this team a chance. You don't throw it for losses right off the bat. Just let the cards fall where they may. Let the cookie crumble. Everything that happens, you know, it happens for a reason. And if we're lucky enough to, to win the lottery, you're good on us. But give this team a chance. All right, well, uh, Sage uh, was on the PS3. No, 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 Xbox One. No, 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 no. Sage has what's really going to happen. 2K16, they say it's the most realistic video game for sports ever created. So obviously we had our guy Sage simulate an entire season, including the Trailblazers results. So we want to know what happened, Sage. Well, Xbox One, gamertag is the Sage 504. If you want to play my park against me, it's on. Dustin told me I can't tinker. I just have to leave it as is. As I was skimming, that Mason Plumley fractured his hand and was out for four to six weeks. Myers Leonard in the first week demanded a contract extension, which I happily gave. He paid the man, right? He wanted a $3 million one-year contract, and I gave him three years, 12. You know, that's a good good GM. Good Good, good on you, Sage. And I think the game that most Portland fans are looking forward to is the Spurs... Blazers game November 18th, and the Blazers beat the Spurs 119-75. to Oh, that's, that's what I want to hear. So far. Throughout the first part of the season, Gerald was out, so CJ got a lot of playing time. Somewhat realistic. At the trade deadline, the best trade that was off Noah Vonley and the first 2016 for Rudy Gobert and a 2018 first-round pick. Oh, yeah, that's tempting, actually. It's very tempting. I wanted to, but... but you do it knowing, let's say, that's the first pick. So you're Von Lee and Simmons for Gobert. No, I don't think you no. do it. We were 500. We stayed at 500 okay. throughout the year. 
the worst trade I saw was Damian Lillard for Roy Hibbard, and I did not. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, oh, gosh. Lakers, Lakers fans. I just shouted about the head. We finished with a 41-41 and 41 record, so we stayed 500. The one thing that I think was really interesting was Damian Lillard was a first-team All-NBA. His stats wow. were 29.6 with four boards and nine assists a game. Plumlee was the second on the team with points with 14 and 7.8 rebounds a game in a block. And CJ had 10.3 points per game, two assists and a steal. And we ended up with the 13th pick. So we make the playoffs. Who, who, won, who won it all? Who came out of the West? Who came out of the East? Rockets. The Cavs. Who won? Rockets. Uh, uh, I, take I take back, back everything I said about 2K16. It's not realistic not, at all. Not realistic at all. Although I wouldn't mind Damian's stats being 29 points a game. and uh, Although if our third leading scorer is, is CJ McCollum at 10 points a game, I think we're in trouble. All right. Well, Dage, you're 100% accurate. NBA 2K sim prediction. Well, uh, make sure and hit up Sage. I might be getting that game here before too long. We'll see. Best game I've ever played for sports. Can I just say something about NBA 2K real quick before we get done here? Of course. Why have they not yet figured out how to make it look like the ball is releasing off of a player's fingers? Everything else in those graphics is absolutely amazing. Like, meticulous, the, the facial animations and everything. And yet, when the ball leaves their fingers, whether it's a dunk or a jump shot, it doesn't look like it's rolling off their fingers. It doesn't seem like something that would be that hard to animate. All right, rant over. Well, uh, while your rant is over, let me begin mine, because I was stoked for 2K16 until I found out no restrictions. Wallace on the 1999 2000 trail. He wasn't on the Pistons uh, championship team either. You gotta pay that man. Cut the check. I want to play with Sheed. Cut the check, man. Cut the check, my man. Both teams play hard, my man. Both teams play hard. You know, I want to throw those alley oops. Let him shoot threes. Like Sheed was my guy growing up, so that that hurt a lot knowing that he wasn't available uh, to play on that game. But before we go. I want to leave you guys with this quote from Damian Lillard, and it sums up everything I feel. What excites me is that nothing is expected. Bruce, preach it. That's about it for the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, our thoughts and prayers are with everybody involved in the Umqua Community College. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Type in Holy Backboard PDX in the search bar. Also, if you have any questions, feel free to email us at holybackboardpdx at gmail.com or tweet us at holybackboard. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. I'm Matt. I'm Dustin. I'm, Dustin. I'm Sage. Good night. And good night. Hey, everybody. Let's go!